The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1996 versus 1979. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. All right, welcome to Action Film Face-Off. This is the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random years. I will bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. I'm Jared Albrecht. Some know me as Death Pro. My co-host is my brother, Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. I tried to drag that out just long enough to put the sound effect in. We are both military combat vets, and we take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. First of all, Jason, let's talk about what kind of an episode we have. Uh, This is basically, I think, a half blind fire for both of us, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it is. Yeah, for me, it is. Yeah, we've both seen Warriors. Yes. And neither one of us had ever seen Tiger Claws 2. No. Right. And and that was my pick. I had 96, so I pulled Tiger Claws 2 out, and I'll explain myself later on. I'm looking forward to this explanation. (laughs) You have to explain to me, what did I just watch? <laughs> well, I can't help you with like what it's about. I can just tell you why I picked it. And you know what? Now's a good time as any. I picked it because I watched the documentary In Search of the Last Action Heroes, and they did some interviews with Cynthia Rothrock, which is a name I'd known of, but I'd never seen a Cynthia Rothrock movie before in my life. So when I got this 96, I looked into my... Plex database for what movies after 96 i saw a cynthia rothrock movie and i thought my time has come so this was my first entrance into cynthia rothrock filmography mine as well mine as well Oh, okay first timer for jason as well mm-hmm. so anyway that's the reasoning why and that's just a little fun for you guys up front and with that i'll hand it back to jason yes indeed we are going to score each of today's films on the scale of one to ten in five categories what are those categories you might ask Story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. Still not in that order. One of these days, one of us will stop being lazy and update the script, but it's not going to be today. So, Because we are also going to have the deduction round. We're up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. And as we have done since we reached our 30th episode, this is now 36, we are bringing in a sniper. And we are joined by the snipiest of snipers. The sniper has just one point to give out in each category. So it's going to be very binary. They have to pick one film from each category they think is the best and give their sniper bullet to that movie. They can sway the scoring by up to five points. Let's meet our sniper for this episode. That's the sound of the police. He both protects and serves. His name is Ron Barron, fan of the show. Welcome to the show, Ron. 
thank you guys. Appreciate you having me on. I just had one quick question. Can you dig it? <laughs> Can you yeah. dig it? <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it. Can you guys check with your mom and see if it's okay to come out and play A? <laughs> we can do both of those things. Yes. Awesome. We can both dig it and come out and <laughs> play A. All right. So we've got Ron here. He sounds like he's ready and ready to go. He's a fan of the show that contacted us via email to tell us how much he loved the show. And we emailed him back and said, you want to be on it? <laughs> and he said, sure. <laughs> That's how it works, folks. We'll take anybody. Just send us an email. Show us a little love, man. We are very narcissistic in that way. <laughs> That's yes. right. You show us some love and you're on the show. You're on the show. <laughs> All right. So you have to now answer one of the toughest questions in podcast introductions, Ron. Okay. What are three of your very favorite action films? And we're judging you. Jason and I are judging you. All right. There's the obvious masterpieces like Lethal Weapon and Aliens. Okay. I'm going to go with some that maybe, maybe most people haven't seen. First one is Extreme Prejudice. It's uh, Nick Nolte, Powers Booth, Michael Ironside, Clancy Brown. I mean, how do you go wrong with this movie? Wow. I've never uh, even heard of it, but I can guarantee you there's a lot of alcohol consumed on set. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Back in the 80s. Nick Nolte's a Texas Ranger. Powers Booth is a bad guy. Everyone just gets shot. It's just, it's awesome. <laughs> What's uh, it called again? What's it called again? Extreme Prejudice. You know, I think it's a Walter Hill film. Don't quote me on that part. But, oh, uh, we got a Walter Hill film tonight. Yes, yeah, we do. Pretty darn awesome. Another favorite of mine is uh, Code of Silence with Chuck Norris. He's a Chicago cop. It's pretty much the cast from The Fugitive and Above the Law. The, like the background players, I guess in Chicago, there's only certain people that work in movies and those guys are it. And uh, <laughs> The last one, more of a modern one that I just loved was uh, Dread with Carl Urban. Yes. <laughs> uh, all the comic book movies, that's the most accurate, I think. They, they really nailed it. Oh, so good. Now, did you ever see The Raid? The raid. Oh, wait, I think you guys did a show on that one. No, he's a he's a good oh, fan. He's a good fan. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. forgot we did a show on that. So, <laughs> I know what happens. I haven't seen it. But you guys did such an awesome job that I don't even have to watch it. I, <laughs> I only ask you because dread had the same flavor as the raid to me. Really? I think if you yeah, like dread, you will enjoy the raid as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the screenwriters that made. Dread saw the raid and was like, we can judge Dread this movie right up. And <laughs> that's pretty much what they did. I mean, it's the same concept, trapped in the building, the whole nine. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Those are good choices. I like those off-the-wall choices. And I am breaking in here to confirm that Walter Hill did indeed direct Extreme Prejudice. Mm. There we go. There you go. Awesome. Cool, cool selections. And I love it. Now. You dig it? I can dig it. Can you dig it? <laughs> I can dig it. <laughs> now, before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins, the Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. 
Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent edition, we'll add you soon. But if somehow we're overlooking you, just send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. And if you send a really nice email, you might end up as a guest on our show. <laughs> we'll get it straightened out. If you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's just www.patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. You get in the door at one dollar a month that's gotta be a typo a dollar a month can't get anything for a dollar anymore i mean basically was that 12 dollars a year that's cheaper than a month of netflix and honestly aren't we giving you more than netflix all right probably not as yeah the netflix (laughs) does give a lot of good programming (laughs) either way that's how it's done back to you jason well, now that we got that little bit of business out of the way, we can get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. As previously stated, I was assigned the year of 1996, and I have selected Tiger Claws 2. Starring <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock and Bolo Young. What year did the randomizer select for you? Jared, I got 1979, and I put into our Video Dome Arena, Warriors, come out and play, yay! The Warriors, starring Michael Beck and James Remar. All right, we got a fine matchup for this one, folks, so it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his selection better than mine, or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. So around the horn, where did we see these films? I'll kick it off and tell you that I saw Tiger Claws 2. I actually had the DVD, which made its way to my Plex server. And I have the Warriors on Blu-ray. Jason, how did you watch? Well, Tiger Claws 2, I waited till you put it on your Plex server, and then I pirated that bad boy off your Plex server. (laughs) And for the Warriors, Jared... I got it on Blu-ray, yes! <laughs> oh my gosh, how many more of these do I put up with? All right, so over to you, Ron. How did you watch these films? Titan Claws was on Amazon for the low, low price of $1.99. And Warriors, if you don't own Warriors on DVD or Blu-ray, there's really something wrong with you, honestly. <laughs> he called you guys out on that one. <laughs> I, I don't disagree, Ron. I don't disagree. Not at all. Not at all. Okay, spoiler warning time. We are going to spoil the heck out of these movies. So if you haven't seen 1996's Tiger Claws 2 or The Warriors from 1979, we highly encourage you to do that now. Go ahead and pause our show, and we will meet you guys on the other side of this musical break. Hopefully you took our guidance and you're all caught up. 
So let's get into it. Let me jump in with some quick information on 1996's Tiger Claws 2. Deep in the underground of San Francisco's Chinatown, a crime boss prepares to seize power for the ancient masters and alter history forever. Tonight, we will once again be able to control our destiny. At midnight on Chinese New Year, a gateway to the past will open. He will go back in time with high caliber weapons and create a new race of perfect killing machines. But he needs an honorable warrior for the passage, so he jailbreaks Chan, a psychopathic serial killer. Master Choi's dying request was that you and I reunite for this event. You must agree to be part of this. But when a cop is killed investigating his ruthless plan, the only thing left is revenge. Now reunited with his ex-partner. I would like to keep San Francisco police out of this as long as possible. I'd like to work with you. Richardson and Masterson pursue a cop killer into secret ancient caverns. But when they're caught, Richardson must fight for their freedom. If I win, you let her go? Of course. In a deadly game that only few can win. Jalal Marai, Bolo Young, and Cynthia Rothrock. Tiger Claws 2. As I previously mentioned, it stars Cynthia Rothrock, Jalal Mary, and Bolo Young, is directed by J. Stephen Mounder. Synopsis goes a little something like this. I am waiting with a bated breath on this one. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I completely cheated. I lifted this synopsis from imdb or letterboxd i wish i could remember where to give proper credit but it is absolutely lifted because i sat there and stared like how how do i make a synopsis of a movie i don't truly understand and thank goodness somebody else did it so you want to hear it here it goes released five years after the first installment tiger claws 2 finds bolo young's martial arts serial killer chong busted out of jail by a team of heavies in the employ of gangster dai lo fu and he's whisked across the country to San Francisco's Chinatown. When New York City cop Tarek Richards learns of a rash of recent killings using Chong's distinctive M.O., a claw-like mark across the face of the victim, he contacts his old partner, Linda Masterson, who is now living in L.A., and asks for her help. But Chong, as it turns out, has nothing to do with the murders. He's just being used by crime kingpin Lo Fu, who needs to combine his energy with Chong's to open some sort of time portal to provide vital supplies to the ancient Shaolin monks. In truth, though, Lo Fu greedily plans to use the portal to smuggle heavy modern artillery back and rule King Dynasty era China himself. Who has questions? You know, I missed the weapon smuggling part, which uh, (laughs) on reflection was kind of central to the plot. Uh, I don't know how that escaped. I think I was just so... Taken aback, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? I forgot about the weapons. You but, know what? Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, man. I watched the movie, 
And then I lifted that synopsis, probably from IMDb. And I was like, man, I didn't really remember that either. So I watched the movie again and almost missed it the second time. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, there, there he mentioned he's going to bring some weapons. In. <laughs> yeah, it's a little all over the place, folks. And here's your interesting trivia. During the shoot, a crew member was asked to perform an acting role, which involved a minor stunt. Due to a heavy smoke effect, the crew person misjudged a fall and broke his neck. But luckily, there was no death, damage, or paralysis, so got off easy as far as broken necks go. Tiger Claws 1 from 1991 is more of a cops track down a serial killer film, and this one is more of a mystical underground martial arts tournament. I wonder what happened between 1991 and 1996. Any guesses, Jason, Ron, guesses? Doc Brown. That's a good guess, Ron. I know the answer to this because you revealed it to me. I will have to say, I'm going to just state it up front, that I thought they were ripping off of Bloodsport, but as you pointed out, this was right on the heels of Mortal Kombat, and that makes more sense. Yes, the very mystical martial arts tournament is very Mortal Kombat-ish. And Mortal Kombat burst on the scene between those two films. Finally, and this is your most depressing trivia fact of the night, and I'm counting the broken neck guy in that, okay? This is your most depressing one. Cynthia Rothrock doesn't do any real martial arts combat until the last 15 minutes of the film. And during that said last section of the film, Bolo Young is body doubled. It's not even him. We don't even see his face. No way. 10 or 15 minutes he's in that i was wondering because i they kept him in that shroud for so long i was like is that him nope and it wasn't okay man i I wonder who they got to body double bolo young that's that's a tough tough order so yeah you can really tell that you know filming schedules and all that stuff really kind of took its toll budget i'm certain was part of it so yeah those are some things you might have missed if you didn't pay close attention, but I know I didn't miss the fact that Cynthia Rothrock wasn't doing any fighting. I was like, when do I get to see Cynthia Rothrock do martial arts? That's what I'm here to see, but I'll go on that rant later. For now, I'll hand it over to Jason. Thank you, Jared. I will give you all the rundown on the Warriors from 1979. the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Furies. The Boppers. The Hi-Hats. The Lizzies. The Turnbull ACs. The Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety stand 20,000 cops. (laughs) And 100,000 sworn enemies. I want them all. I want all the warriors. They've got one way out. 
They've got one night. The Warriors. The cast and crew included Michael Beck as Swan, James Remar as Ajax, Brian Tyler as Snow, and David Patrick Kelly as Luther. It was directed by Walter Hill. The synopsis goes a little something like this. Nine elite members of the Coney Island Warriors gang travel deep into New York City for a massive meeting of all the gangs. When the organizer Cyrus is killed by a rival gang member, the assassin blames the Warriors. Unarmed and miles from home, the Warriors must race and battle through every inch of enemy territory in a desperate attempt to get home. And fellas, there was a lot of trivia on this one. Sometimes I struggle to find trivia. This one, I was struggling to figure out which one I wanted to include. There's a lot of good stuff in here. It was juicy, juicy. So the character Mercy, the woman in the film, played by Deborah Van Valkenburg. And man, she took a beating in this film's production. She received stitches from taking a bat to the head in one scene, and she broke her hand from falling during the chase scene in the subway. In fact, you all might remember the scene when she shows back up again Swan asks her where she got the jacket, and she says she stole it. Mm-hmm. They had to put the jacket on her there and through the rest of the movie because she was in a cast. It was hiding the cast. Oh. So there you go, a little behind the scenes. David Patrick Kelly, the Warriors guy, he improvised that famous come out and play scene when he felt the script just didn't have enough tension. He got inspired by remembering a neighborhood bully who used to bully him as a kid. It would would tell him, you know, David, come out and play. So he he remembered that, and that's how that scene was born. Totally improvised. And now generations of bullies since then have used the same Right. Got to keep it alive, you know what I'm saying? Can I add a uh, trivia point on that? Sure. This is one of my favorites. Uh, I got to look out for my brother in blue. Brian Tyler, who played Snow, this was his only acting credit. After this movie, he joined the New York State Police, and he retired in 2004. Interesting. Oh, so switch gangs. (laughs) Switch gangs. Joined the boys in blue. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't include it in here as trivia, but the scene uh, within the park, the opening scene, People saw all these, what they thought were gang members gathered together, and they actually called the police. And so there were actual police on the scene mixed in with the acting police, and they just filmed it all. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. Which leads kind of, it's interesting point, and it leads into my third fact, because out of that entire movie, there was only one set piece, one stage set piece that they used. Can you guess what it was? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, the park? Nope, park. It was actual actual location. They used all real locations of the movie except for the restroom fight scene. The restroom fight scene near the end of the movie, that was the only set piece. The rest of the film all used actual locations. In some instances, on real gang territory, where they were receiving threats and the cast and the crew required sometimes protection money, from the gangs in order to film there. So it was a, uh, let me tell you, if, have yourself a good time. Look this movie up on IMDb. <laughs> Read through the trivia. There's a lot of interesting stories there. <laughs> this reminds me of the one of the fun facts we did for Mad Max. 
all the actors who were in the bike gangs had to have little passes with them because real cops were pulling them over. Like, <laughs> what is your deal, dude? <laughs> you know? Like, no, no, I'm working on Mad Max on their way to work. <laughs> yeah, a similar story. Yeah, they there were some of the actors that people called the police on them, and they're like, uh, we're doing a movie. You know, there's all kinds of stories like that. Do you think the uh, the mime gang got the cops called on them a lot? You know. Um, <laughs> There's there's 20 mimes outside my house. <laughs> Get over here. Get over here and start busting Never mind. I'm going to shoot them myself. <laughs> they're not going to complain. Trust me. That's mime. right. What are they going to do? Yell about it? Where they they going to snitch? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, your mic. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's a street fight. Okay, folks, let's get to the meat of the matter. But before we get into that video, Joe Marina, if you guys are playing the game within the game, which is match game, Jason has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. We could match. Up to 10 times because there's two categories, five films. We do the math for you here at Action Film Face Out. Anyway, trust me, we can have up to 10 possible matches. So place your bets. How many times are we going to match? And speaking of scores, let's get your barometer set. Five is average. It's right in the middle. It's okay. It does its job. It does what it needs to do. We often say it's you know the quality you'd see on a decent made-for-TV movie. And then the scale goes up and down from there. With all that set. Let's get into round one. Tiger uppercut. Round one is the story. How engaging and original is your story? We will start in 1996 with Tiger Claws 2. And Ron, Sniper, your thoughts on the story? Good luck with that. I'm glad you're uh, going first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never seen a time-traveling exotic martial arts buddy cop movie, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty original. That's yeah. that's the only one. This is it. Yeah. So that's that's that. <laughs> that is about that, isn't it, Ron? No, I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you. Like its zaniness is its charm. Yes. <laughs> for, yes. for me on this one. But hey, it's not my turn to talk. It's Jason's turn to talk. What do you think about the story of Tiger Claws 2? Well, just tacking on to what Ron said, I got to give it credit on one hand for its originality. And then on the other hand, boy, they jack a lot of stuff from other movies to put in this rather original film. It's like if you took Mortal Kombat, if you took Terminator, if you took Lethal Weapon, maybe, if you took The Golden Child, and you stuffed it all into a blender and just hit puree on that bad boy. This is what's going to come out. Every time this movie, I thought this, I didn't see that coming. The movie would go like, okay, hold, hold this beer because <laughs> more to come. You know, yeah. So many twists and turns, they started getting numb to the twists and turns. <laughs> I know. By the time there was like a magic portal that opened, I was like, eh, the figures, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Magic portal. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> At one point, they stole a taco truck. I mean, it was just... <laughs> they found, like, a random old man in the basement of Mystical Martial Arts headquarters. <laughs> its bonkerness is its charm, and that's what I'm sticking with on this one. All right, so now we go 
back in time to 1979 to talk about your thoughts on the story of the Warriors. Ron, what do you think? You know, I remember as a kid when this came out, this was really something. There really wasn't anything like this. Maybe not the most original story, but I think for the time, it was really neat, you know, the, to organize the gangs in New York and take over. I mean, that was, they were scary to begin with, you know, New York and gangs. You put them together, good grief. So I got to give it credit. Maybe we've seen movies like this since, but when it came out, it was really pretty unique. Oh, man, I'd, I'd have to agree. Almost uh, the polar opposite of Tiger Claws. And like, this is like super simple. Yes. Is a super simple story. Yes. And Tiger Claws is not. But anyway, Jason, <laughs> your thoughts? Hit the nail on the head. I mean, the brilliance is its simplicity. As I was researching the movie a little bit, it seemed like what the director wanted to do, he had a dislike for movies that glorified gangs or made it seem romantic, like the... Uh, oh, Famous musical that I'm below, Sharks and Jets, uh, West Side Story. West Side Story, right. So, and really, the West Side Story really bothered him. He said in something that I I read uh, that he had written. And so, he wanted to show the gritty side of gang life in New York City. That's number one. And then number two, they kind of superimposed it. They told it in a story that dates back to Xenophon and the Greeks, Greek army, outnumbered deep inside Persian territory trying to make their escape. He kind of told it in that vein. The thing that I really admire about it is we have a heroes and villains category on this thing, but the heroes are not necessarily good people. If you think about the scene with Ajax and the undercover cop in the park, mm-hmm. you know, Ajax was sexually assaulting her. Ajax is not a decent human being by what we would gauge him by today's standards. But there's something about Ajax in that movie that we admire and we respect. I think about that scene with the baseball furies, right? When he's running and he won't leave his buddy. He won't leave his fellow gang member. He says, I can't make it. He's like, good. I'm tired of running. And then <laughs> hey, he beat their ass. <laughs> they beat their ass, yeah. And so, you know, he's not, like I said, he's not a good person. Swan's not really a good person either. These are not good people. But it's a story. It says at the beginning, it's a story of courage, and we admire and we respect their courage. And I think that the show is simplicity, but it's brilliantly written and excellently cast. Yeah, I think I've tipped my hand. I'm probably going to give this one high marks. All right. I I guarantee you there's no match game. (laughs) On that one, Jason clearly taken with the story of the warriors. And again, I think it's a fine, fine story. I think it's simple and direct. I like its historical roots. So anyway, let's score them and find out. Let's go back to tiger claws in 1996 on the scale of one to 10. Jason, what are you going to give it? Okay. I'm giving it a six just solely out of the respect that they just did not give in. F with this movie. <laughs> it just threw everything at it. And in a way, I kind of admired it. So I can't give it an average five score. It was better than a TV movie. But yeah, it's all over the place. But I'll land on a six for it. Well, don't you feel too bad because we have reached our very first match game. I also scored a six. 
purely because of the bonkers factor. I really thought I was justifying this to you. I can't no. no. explain myself. No, it was it was landing firmly in made for TV movie territory until it went completely bonkers, which was about four minutes. And <laughs> when the cop was like, "Hey, uh, uh, I'm gonna mess with this guy." <laughs> What are you doing? It's a, well, okay, to be fair, I don't want to make Ron mad. It wasn't a cop. He was a prison's correction officer. Yes. Uh, who, who was messing with Bolo Young in the prison cell. Like, what are you thinking? Still, and I got to ask you, Ron, as the only law enforcement officer here, I'm sure you've dealt with people in custody behind bars, right? You've had to well, interact with them. Yeah, yeah, you've had to interact with them. Am I incorrect in assuming if the guy's just kneeling there and not causing any trouble, just count your blessings because he's not he's not yes. carrying on and being an idiot. Just leave it alone. Exactly. God. Enjoy your quiet night. Ron's like, no, you poke yeah. him with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Ron, are you getting in that jail cell with Bolo Young and poking him with that stick? Oh, God. No. No. <laughs> no. Not a good idea. All right. Let's go ahead and get our one to tens. And then we'll find out what Ron has to do with his sniper bullet. So, Jason, Warriors 1979, how much higher did you score it than me? <laughs> well, go, go ahead and take a guess at what the difference is going to be. I scored this one an eight. I think it's well above average. I gushed about it quite a bit. I mean, there are better scripts out there. There are some stories that are better in the action universe, but... Uh, Warriors is well above average, so eight from me. All right. Uh, now I have to justify, I guess, to you. I, I also gave it a six. It's not a mean-spirited six at all. I think it's a good story, and it's fun to watch. It's just super simple. It's like, hey, we got stuck here because Jackass did Jackass things and blamed it on us, and now we got to get out. So, like, I think it did where it really shines, as you'll see in my numbers later on, is it in its execution. I think its story is basic, but I think its execution is really good. So Jason's got it at an eight. I've got it at a six. We both scored Tiger Claws two a six. So the real question, Ron, love the sniper's bullet. Where are you going to give your point to? Who do you think deserves the point for better story? Tiger Claws two or the Warriors? Can you dig it? Don't try and yes. sway him. <laughs> ah, he's been swayed. <laughs> no, and you know, and I got to give you credit, Jason. You described that way more eloquently than I could have. But it's not a dumb story. It's not a dumb movie at all. It really, there was a lot of thought put into it. Like I said, I think it's, uh, it really shines in its execution. Simple story, but well executed. Yeah, Ron gives his very first sniper's bullet, The Warriors 1979, and that ends round one. All right, we're going into round two, The Hero. How cool is The Hero or Heroes of Arc 2 films? And we're going to go ahead and we'll start off with Tiger Claws 2. Ron, we'll let you lead off again. What did you think of the heroes? I'm not exactly sure who the hero in this movie was, to be honest. <laughs> That's a good question. Because uh, you know, at the end, spoilers, Bolo Young kind of did a cool thing and started to become a good guy. I'm not 100% sure on, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. What's the What's the main guy's name? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's, he's the most right. boring lead man, leading man yes, in right. Doesn't even matter. I don't know. I guess, are we going to give it to Cynthia? Are we going to call her the hero of this? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what we can sometimes do here, Ron, is sometimes we take that in total. Like, how do you feel about the group of heroes? So, I mean, you can kind of chat a little bit about each one if you want. 
as a group, I don't think there were anything special, to be honest. You know, I thought it was neat that Bolo's character kind of became a hero towards the end. But I mean, like Cynthia Rothrock, this is my first film that I've ever seen with her as well. She's awesome at beating people up. But as far as the hero goes, I, I don't know. I have a hard time looking at her as anything special. All right. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, not too much to say there. Joe, do you have anything you want to add to that? Not really. I mean, honestly, the the male lead in this, who we're just going to call regular guy, I guess, because he just, he was very vanilla. I mean, he just very vanilla. I mean, not racially. I think he was actually Middle Eastern. I'm not, <laughs> I, I, think he, I think the actor is, I reserve the right to be wrong, but I, I think he is. But I was really excited to get into the Cynthia Rothrock thing. And, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm so excited about this. And, you know, like I said in my trivia, she doesn't do any combat until, until the very end of the film. So, yeah, you know, and then you, I did like the turn of Bolo Young, especially since I've watched the entire trilogy now. You know, I watched part two for the show and I was like, okay, I, I need to see part one. I need to see how we got here. And then I just had to see part three to see how it all ended. So I'm familiar with the whole trilogy. So it was neat to see Bolo Young make his transition. Uh, spoiler, he's not in part three. But, uh, you know, overall, it, a lot of hope. When you get a DVD box that has Cynthia Rothrock and Bolo Young on the cover, mm-hmm. hope is high. And then the reality of it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. So, yeah, I felt there was one too many main characters in that story. I think that there was nothing that went on in that story that Cynthia Rothrock couldn't have carried. The main actor guy whose name escapes all of us really didn't bring that much to the table. I mean, his action sequences were decent, but I agree with you both. I think that I want a more rock, mm-hmm. but a more Roth rock. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to look up his name just so we can stop calling him generic. I mean, I was going to ride that, that one out. I was gonna I, ride you can, <laughs> you can, if you want to, to be honest with you, but it's Jalal Mary M E R H I is the name of the actor. And, you know, in case he's listening, I mean, you did fine. Like, I'm sure you did everything they told you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just, I just didn't feel like they gave him much. Like, he just came off as very bland. He's good at his action scenes. He's a competent fighter. I think if there had been chemistry between Cynthia Rothrock and Jalal, their characters, mm-hmm. that would have been. But I just, yeah. I never bought into it. I never bought into it. And I, it. You know, I think you just made one of the best points of the evening here, Jason. It's still early, though. Uh, <laughs> I can undo it. <laughs> um, I think we would be better off if they had kind of merged the care, like either go with him or go with her, but preferably her because this was 1996. And let's be honest, this is why we were here. Like there wasn't a lot of kind of kick-ass female martial arts stuff out there. This is why Cynthia Rothrock is famous. She kind of blazed that trail a bit. I think that's what we wanted to see. Yeah, I think so. And we're probably being unfair to Jalal a little bit because probably so, but I mean, you just had to work with what they had. Yeah. Know? Like I said, I mean, he did fine with the action scenes. His acting was fine. It just there didn't seem to be a lot for him to do or a reason for him to be there. Let me make the show a little longer and say this much. This, <laughs> this is the more tail end of Cynthia's career. I want to say she was about 40 when she did this. And I think the the martial arts life and making movies was catching up with her. And I think she was wanting to do less and less especially if you watch the trilogy one, two, three, her role in it martial arts wise gets smaller as it goes, which makes sense. She's getting older. It happens to everybody. And I think they were trying to phase him in. He is very much the centerpiece of part three. 
like I said, they kind of are phasing her out. So anyway, I've made this round way too long. We need to talk about another movie. All right. <laughs> well, let's talk about the heroes from the Warriors. The heroes from the Warriors are, hmm, almost the same problem as Tiger Claws, but not quite. They have a group and they all have a little bit of a distinct character. But then again, they're all a little bit homogenized because they're all, you know, the war- they're all one. <laughs> Hold on again. They all dress alike. <laughs> that's that's gang life. And I don't know. I didn't feel like anybody's performance was really better than anybody else. I know we focused a lot on Swan, who they actually did a prequel about a movie about him. It's called Ugly Duckling. Because <laughs> <laughs> he turned into a uh, okay. You know what? Let's just see what Ron has. <laughs> <laughs> Ron seeing us here. <laughs> I, I guess I looked at Swan differently. He was a little more complex of a character and a hero than uh, I think some people initially think when you watch this movie. And there's a couple scenes that, that really stood out to me, like when him and Mercy are running together and they're in the subway tunnel and they start talking and he tells her, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, you know, you're just like everything else that's happened tonight and it's all bad. Yeah. I think what we were seeing as a, as a guy you know, early 20s, but he's having a midlife crisis where he's really wondering, is this actually what he should be doing? And it's not. At the end, when they make it back to Coney Island and he says, this is it, this is what we fought all night for, I think he's realizing that this is not the life. This is not the way to be. There's some really touching moments, like when they're on the subway and the prom kids get on. Yes, yeah. And they're looking at them. And at that point, you know, everybody looks terrible. They've been running and fighting. And they're looking at Mercy, and she really looks rough, and she's really dirty. And she starts to fix her hair, and he stops her, and he pulls her hand down, as if to say, no, no, you're just fine. We're getting there, but we don't need to be judged by them. Yeah. Um, I liked him as a, as a character. I really did. You know? And you're right. The rest of the gang members, they all just kind of fit in a specific personality, so it's hard to call any of them heroes. They were more of a supporting cast. But I think this is really Swan's story of him wanting to be and eventually probably becoming a better person. That's a good take, Ron. That's a real good take. I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think I might have missed some of the subtleties. In fact, when the prom kids came on, I thought it was another gang. I thought it was like the prom kids gang, you know, because everybody had a theme and, (laughs) you know. Well, and even like uh, (laughs) when they first met Mercy after she leaves the orphans, Ajax grabs her because he's rapey Ajax and (laughs) he stops her. Hey, let her go. That's not the right thing to do. I got to give him credit, you know, where it needed to be said and where someone needed to stand up and say, do the right thing. It was Swan that usually was a guy doing it. You know what? I, I think he might have been almost certain he was uh, maybe the best thing that she'd seen because she completely left her life behind at the job I had to leave with them. Yeah. With him. Didn't you, though? I mean, come on. Right. She was like, I don't know, hanging out with the orphans. And you know what? I almost guarantee you at least four or five of those gang members had parents. I think that's bad branding. Oh, it, easily. Uh, yeah. Any of my gang jokes between the prom kids and the orphans <laughs> landing with you guys tonight? Or... <laughs> I got a chuckle. All right. I got a chuckle. I, I quit, yeah, no, but... you're, you're extra, extra funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately regret bringing Ron out of the show. Ron and I are simpatico on this. I clearly falls into the Weezy Skull camp very nicely. No, but I think those are some excellent points, Ron. You've actually really helped me understand the movie a little bit better. 
one other scene, a little add on to the scene after the prom kids, when he picks up the flowers and gives them to her and says, I hate to see anything go to waste. That's, Mm -hmm. I thought that was it talking to her though he's not talking about the flowers yeah. he's talking about her he realizes that she also wants to be in a better place and they can do it together yep just some really nice little nuanced scenes in there and i think you picked up on some of my favorites as well so we'll leave it there and throw out some scores i feel a sniper bullet coming the warrior's way jared i hate to tell you but <laughs> we'll see we'll see, we'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> all right jared were we giving the heroes for Tiger Claws 2? I ended up giving them another six. I thought they were cut above because of Cynthia Rothrock and Bolo Young. I mean, without them, they're going to land firmly in TV movie territory. Fives, maybe even fours for forgettableness. I'm sorry, Jalal, that we couldn't remember your name earlier. But the real beacons are Bolo Young and Cynthia Rothrock. So I bumped them up to a six. Yeah, I gave it a five. And I think mostly because I put Bolo Young in the villain category on this because I, I didn't know where to put, to put him in both. Actually. All right. <laughs> I guess, you know, that's probably not wrong. But I think, yeah, if you strip out Bolo Young, they're, they're down to a five. <laughs> that's what I gave him. But Ron can sway this because maybe he thinks I was too harsh and he can put that bullet over here. With Tiger Claws too, or he can, uh, you know. <laughs> don't try to build that fake tension. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I tried, folks. I tried for the audience to build that tension. We know where that bolt's going. All right, the Warriors, Jared. What'd you give the Warriors? I gave them a seven, actually. I thought they were pretty good, fairly memorable. So, yeah, I gave them a seven. All right. I was a little bit higher. I went eight. I thought that, you know, the more times I see this movie, the more I appreciate the subtle things that the actors all bring to it. So, and I just think that the chemistry between the warriors was excellent. So eight for me. And that brings us to sniper time. Can you dig it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to give it this one. He he was just, he was fantastic. Well, our sniper has spoken. That brings us to the end of round two. And I'm going to pass the baton back to you, Jared. That brings us round three. Round three is the villain. How menacing is your villain? How memorable is your villain? Good villains make for good movies. And we will start with Tiger Claws 2 in 1996. Ron, do your best to talk to us about the villainy of Tiger Claws 2 from 1996. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. So the main villain, I think, is, was it Dai Lo Fu? There's also stacks and stacks of medicine boxes that he wants to bring back to help people it's not completely take over the world but maybe he's also looking at i think he even says that it's something he wants to help his ancestors mm-hmm. so it's not completely evil and same with bolo young so I, I think it's a very convoluted villain when he is trying to be a villain he's horrible at it um, <laughs> all he's missing is a mustache to start twirling um, <laughs> But if we give it to Bolo Young, like I said, anything he's in is 32% better right off the bat. So <laughs> like Bloodsport, was he or was he not one of the most menacing and awesome villains you've ever seen? You have to give him credit on, on this one, too. Just his mere presence. The fact that he started with Bruce Lee, he was a contemporary of his. He's just he's fantastic. But if we go with Dai Lo Fu, no, not at all. <laughs> And then, like, he was partnered up with, like, the white dude with the black hair and the ponytail. 
I can't remember what his name was either. He was in the martial arts. Tour. I, you know what? It, yeah, you've, you've done the best you could. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best idea was good. Jason, are there any pieces left to pick up? Or? Well, I was going to pick up with the guy whose name I can't remember, Ponytail Guy and his friend uh, Pirate Steve there. When <laughs> I really or whatever he was. <laughs> you had to have some people to fight at the end of the movie. They were like, holy cow, we've got three heroes. We need three villains. So I'm going to ask Ron another law enforcement question. At the beginning, we see Ponytail Guy, and he's this big weapons dealer, right? Like, the guy was dealing literally two pistols. Two. <laughs> two pistols. Two guns. Do you, do you ever run a, a major raid for a guy with two pistols? Just <laughs> just off the cuff, you know? They were like, like nuclear-powered pistols? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, is there another bag or something? Nope, he's got two pistols. And then the funny thing is when the raid starts going down, everybody in there had pistols, shotguns, machine guns. I was like, everybody here is better armed than this arms dealer. (laughs) He's selling you arms. What are you even doing here? And they're really expensive. I can't remember how much money was, but it was a lot of money. for like. Right. I was like, this is insane right here. And then, you know, to continue our theme about how the movie gets crazy, and maybe he was in Tiger Claws 1, maybe he's a recurring character, I don't know, but when he says to Dai Lo Fu, he says, oh, I'm going to enter your tournament. I'm like, so now this guy's like a martial arts master as well as a gun dealer? And he sure was, I guess. One more thing and I'll shut up. Another police question I have. So he needs to get rid of his van, right? The stolen van. And so he decides to steal a big-ass gut truck from the guy that he murders. It leaves abandoned on the street. And so they're driving a big gut truck. I mean, how long would it take the police to find that? Like, oh, this guy's dead. He's a gut truck driver. <laughs> I think they stole his gut truck. The, the I, big, I, giant, yellow, British right. thing. It kind of stands yeah. out. The double-decker, yeah. Right. <sighs> All I know is we got to see Bolo Young literally make a French fries. French for the fries. cops. Yeah, he made some fries for them. That was my favorite part. The cops show up. They're like, oh, hey, we'll fix your truck while we're working on your motor. Can you make us some French fries? Because that happens all the time. Yeah. That's How many free awesome. fries have you gotten? Don't, I can't even count. I, can't even count. <laughs> I mean, just from Bolo Young, though. <laughs> oh. With mustard, though. You've got to try with mustard. That's, with really, mustard. that's the game changer that people don't know about. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So anyway, I'm kind of all over the map here, but I had questions about the bad guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, but being all over the map is the theme of Tiger Claws 2. I did like Bolo Young, though. Too. That's what makes it good. <laughs> it's, it's all over the map. Without it, it loses all of its charm. All right, let's go to 1979 and talk about the villainy of the Warriors, which there's a whole lot to pick from. So, Ron, what stands out to you? What are your thoughts of the villainy of the Warriors, man? There's a lot of fruit. Right for the plucking, man. I'm going to say right now that the Mime Gang is my favorite. Right next to the guys with the purple vests and the polka dot ties. Another (laughs) tough group. Um, I I actually wrote down as many gangs as I could while I was watching it. They're they're fantastic. I called them the Purple Rings. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, and then I like the farmers, the roller skating farmers in the subway. Yes. Overall gang. Pretty tough group, though, when you think about it. That would be hard to rumble on roller skates, though, I think. You'd have to be really good. You'd have to practice to join that gang, I think. With a switchblade, yeah, no less. 
that gets my vote, one of the tougher ones. But as far as like the main villains, I think you got to give it to uh, Luther with the rogues and then Masai, who I guess took over the Gramercy Rifts after uh, Cyrus gets killed. Because when you think about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Cyrus and Masai are villains. They're not organizing these guys to get them better health care and dental. Uh, <laughs> well, they kind of are. In a they're, way. Gonna take over. Yeah, <laughs> they're taking over New York. But Luther, though, good grief. That's one of the few villains that you watch and you think, I think this actor actually is unhinged. I think he really is crazy because he sold that completely. For a little bitty guy, he is just flat out scary, isn't he? Yeah, he was definitely unpredictable. And I would say unhinged is the good word for him. Is this not his second appearance on Action Film Face-Off? Didn't he play Sully in Commando? He did play Sully in Commando. <laughs> yep. Okay, I was just checking Also, to a brilliant effect, I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> One of the most underrated villains of all time. Because he's just crazy. Absolutely scary crazy. I really liked it. So uh, I'll say those two guys were the main villains, aside from all of New York and the Mimes. <laughs> and the Furies. And the Furies. Come on. Probably one of the most iconic cool looking villains of all time right <laughs> the baseball furies they are really committed to their craft because they're like all right guys we're gonna gang our trademark weapon is bats okay i'm in we're also gonna dress like baseball players all right i can do that also gonna need to you know paint up your faces <laughs> oh man that's one step too far and you like, gotta feel bad for the furies though because really their whole thing is the baseball bat and they get beat up with their own baseball bats. They I mean, did. that's tough. That's they really did. You got, <laughs> they, they, they took their baseball bats. They, yeah, they did. Them up with them. You got it. It's like, really? That's all you guys are? And uh, <laughs> Did not pan out with, for them. Guys with red vests beat you up? <laughs> that one what guy did that cool move, too, where he, like, slid the baseball up his arm like it was oh, some sort yeah. of switchblade. <laughs> yeah. And then Ajax said, I'm going to shove that bat up your ass turn you into a popsicle yes <laughs> i love that line <laughs> yeah it was pretty good jason you've weighed in a little bit on ron's thoughts there's a lot of villainy and the warriors what do you, you have anything to add there he covered most of them i'm just gonna throw in the thin lizzie's i thought <laughs> yes thin, thin lizzie's was uh, you know throughout this entire film whenever a woman got brought into the picture <laughs> things got hairy for the Warriors. <laughs> Let's count it, shall we? We lost Ajax to the undercover cop. We darn near lost half the team to the Thin Lizzies. And then Mercy was just a walking jinx on them the whole time. She was, just, he was an albatross around the throat of that team. <laughs> so the Thin Lizzies, oh, what a gang. Man, there was like... Probably the single most telegraphed gang. Like, it was clearly what was going on there. It definitely reminded me of Magneto's line to the security guard in X-Men 2. Never, ever trust a beautiful woman, especially if she's interested in you. (laughs) Well, they're definitely one of the tougher gangs, because everyone else had these little dramatic things they would do before they fight not these girls they just pulled guns and razor blades and went i know i was almost disappointed in them though i'm like wait a minute you had them outnumbered you caught them by surprise you had them out firepowered and yet they still all got away 
Come on, then. I think your, we need to be thankful that Rembrandt, I don't think he was interested in those no. women. So, <laughs> no, he, so was, he was paying attention. <laughs> but if, if you watch, though, I think the superpower of the Warriors is their ability to run away. Because right. when you think about it, they run away from everyone. And then once they get safe, then they, you know, look out the window and, ha, ha, we would have beat you up. But, no, they are fantastic at running away from people who are going to beat them up. You have to have good cardio to be in the Warriors, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's score these. Let's go back to 1996's Tiger Claws 2. Jason, on a scale of 1 to 10, did you firmly land at a 5 like I did, like made for TV? <laughs> or did you get over down to a 4? I didn't. I gave it a 6 because, like oh. I said earlier, I was throwing Bolo Young into this category. Oh. So. Okay. So he kind of bumped this one up and drug the heroes one down for me a little bit. So I think where you set Bolo is where you ultimately landed. So I landed on a six. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't believe uh, you, you won up to me on a tire claw because I'm clearly more taken with it than you are. I really gave it a five because all the reasons we enumerated earlier, they're just the villainy is weird. It is weird. All right. So let's go to the warriors. It's really spread thin, which I think works against it in some ways, but I'm interested to in see what you scored and why you scored it. I scored it an eight just because I thought all of the gangs were creative. They all had their own flavor. They all brought an air of menace in a different way, be it the honey trap of the thin lizzies, the Jaws-like circling of the train platform, the guy on the roller skates there before the bathroom fight scene. It all had a unique flavor to it, and it's basically the Warriors versus the entire gang of New York City, and it could have been one-dimensional, but it really wasn't. Every gang left an imprint on my memory right up to the final scene where the riffs, when they finally encounter the Warriors at Coney Island, when they do that thing where Masai just moves his arm and this entire gang moves aside, opening like a gate so that the Warriors can leave and end the movie. Just brilliant. Eight for me. I'm gushing again. I gave it a six. <laughs> <laughs> Mute yourself. We've, we've been here before, though, Jason. We've been here before because it's one of those things where you can take it from two tacks. You can sort of do the sum of them or there's too many of them and it gets spread thin. I'm of the camp that it got spread thin. You're, you're right. Like, the costuming and stuff was great. Hint, hint, my biggest score for this movie is coming up in the next round because that's all very memorable. But as far as like what particular villain am I going to remember when the credits roll? Well, I guess the come out to play guy. That's a big one. And aside from that, I'm not really going to remember anybody else. The most memorable kind of villain to me was the can you dig it guy. And he didn't make it out of the first act. So, yeah. While we're talking about villainy, though, real quick, I got a question. The wisdom of the girl who ran like the little candy shop and the skeezy <clears throat> rogues are there just being crazy and stealing candy. And, sh and like, don't say anything. You, you know, they're not paying for that candy. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut and stay safe. You know, that's all I want to tell her. OK, with uh, my six and Jason's eight coming at it from two different angles, that just leaves our sniper's bullet. So, Ron. This one's probably fairly easy for you as well. Did you like overall the villainy of Tire Claws 2 or the Warriors? The Warriors. 
Go ahead and do your line again. Like, can you do? Yeah, I know you want to say. You know, I'm just going to say it to Jason because I, I think he's he's in on this. Jason, can you dig it? I can dig it. Yeah. You know, we're going to have you. I, I, I got to. You know, I like the Warriors. <laughs> I, I'm not getting that feeling. I just, I, I'm, I'm looking <laughs> to Jason for the whole show. I'm just, we've made I think, Yeah, Ron and I are definitely eye to eye on the Warriors here. I like it a lot. I do. I like it. It's fine. I like it. I swear I like it. I do. I like the Warriors. There's no problem. We'll continue on here. We'll go on to Spectacle. Let's talk about Spectacle. I'll be back. We're talking about the choreography, the sets, the effects, the lighting, the music. What did you think of the Spectacle of Tiger Claws 2, Jared? I was a little underwhelmed with the spectacle of Tiger Claws 2. It felt very made-for-TV movie-ish to me. We put a lot of things in spectacle to include costuming, lighting, cinematography, music. I have a bit of a bone to pick with the music. Uh, They clearly, clearly loved Terminator 2 and just kept going to that well. They played that song so many times. But overall, there was nothing that really made me say, wow, or, oh, my goodness, aside from the bonkersness nature of the movie as a whole. But as far as the execution for everything we look for in spectacle, it didn't floor me. It was very average. All right. Fair enough. What about you, Ron? What did you think? I will just give it one compliment that you can tell the person who made this movie absolutely loved martial arts films. It was almost felt more like a fan film than like a a studio film felt like it came from someone who just genuinely loved that genre. The problem was that someone else in the room loved video games and someone else in the room loved time travel. And and it just, <laughs> it all got added on. It's like, Oh really? You like that too? Yeah. All right. We can do that. <laughs> but I think if it had stayed at the core and Cynthia was the main star, probably would have been a decent film. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if 11-year-old me would have made that movie. That's, yes. that's what I would come Absolutely. up with. Absolutely, yes. All right, we'll go back to you, Ron, for your thoughts on the spectacle for The Warriors. Oh, geez. Where do you start? To me, this is truly one of the most iconic uh, action films ever made. I mean, people who are not into these films, if you say, come out and play A, they know exactly what you're talking about. This is just one of those that I think really permeated the societal culture and just took off. I mean, when I was looking up like trivia notes, did you guys know there was a video game made about this? Mm-hmm. Not, not yeah. 10 years ago? Yeah, got, yeah. got it. I think it's on the Xbox. And... It, it looks fantastic. There's websites, there's like fan websites that still like, you can look up little bits of trivia about every single character. I put this one right up there with, with the big ones like Terminator and Lethal Weapon as far as everyone has seen it, everyone knows about it. And it's beautiful gritty it's dark they filmed it in all the right locations it looks like new york city there's nothing pretty about it whatsoever even when they get to coney island they make it as ugly as they possibly can and probably i hope i'm not insulting anyone but it probably wasn't that pretty back then anyway they just made it awesome they made everything as dirty and gritty as they showed it they still made it awesome and all the costumes i mean only walter hill would put mimes in a in a gang movie but they went all out they really did. They went all out. They went for broke, and it hit a home run. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm glad you brought up the city itself. Using the city as a set, you can feel every mile that those fellows had to take to get back to Coney Island. The 
grittiness of the subway as they're sitting there just totally wiped out. It's several miles of bad road for those for those fellas. The backdrop of New York City really, really helps. Well, I guess that's it. All we got to do is score them. And uh, Jared, what are you giving the spectacle for Tiger Claws 2? Never really got to give my thoughts on the spectacle of the Warriors, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, you don't well, like you just thought you were going to take a yeah, douche you, on it. You, so. you don't like the movie, so... <laughs> I'm sorry. See my score sheet, you'd know. I'm sorry. Forget all that. Forget all that. I went out of order. I was I was getting cocky. I was mixing it up and I forgot. I I knew the minute that you had the long add-on after he was done, I was like, he hasn't realized I haven't gone yet. (laughs) You just cut that out and put it on the end of yours and I got got you covered. Go ahead. Give me some give me some thoughts on spectacle, Jared. Okay, yeah, this is is the high point of the Warriors. This is why the Warriors is remembered, like Ron said. It is beautiful ugliness. They take the ugly and make it beautiful through creative lighting, colors, shots. It's a super well-shot movie, just just to put it in such simple terms. The music that is used is used to really good effect. Costuming was clearly a, a big part of this film. To a ridiculous level, I guess Ron pointed out. It's it's ridiculous. But as we've learned from Tiger Claws 2, sometimes ridiculous can help your score. <laughs> because just enough ridiculous makes it memorable. Look for a good score for me in this round. And, and, and Ron is 100% on the nose with the beautiful ugliness of this film. I have to throw this in here because this idea just struck me. The name Swan. And Jared, you kind of made fun of it at the beginning with the little joke about the ugly duckling. Well, maybe that is a mm-hmm. that is the journey of his character, uh, as Ron pointed out. Mm-hmm. As he gets Absolutely. to the end of his journey, he's like, he wants something more. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now my joke's not so funny. <laughs> no, you're no. serious. You're poignant. All right, now we're going to score it. And Jared, lay it out for me. What are you giving the spectacle? A Tiger Claws two. Straight up five. Decent made for TV level spectacle. Just a five. Breaks my heart because it's such a bonkers movie. I wish the spectacle was a little bit better, but eh, it's what it is. It's a five. I guess I liked it a little bit more. I thought the action scenes were pretty entertaining. I thought, you know, fighting the body shop was kind of cool. And I don't know. The fight scenes at the end were the tournament was kind of cool. So I ended up giving it a six. What about the Warriors? What did you get a spectacle for the Warriors? Ah, the highest score of any round for me. I'm giving it an eight just because it is so well shot and well lit and just very memorable with all its visuals. Well, we've got another match game finally, because I gave it an eight as well. This is an old movie. I mean, 79, it's a while ago, but it still holds up. I put it in that Blu-ray player and I did not hit pause once, didn't check my phone once. I was right back loving it, just like I did the last time I watched it. Eight for me. So that just leaves the sniper. And what's he going to do with that bullet? Is he going to give an extra bullet to Tiger Claws 2 or to the Warriors? Jason, can you dig it? I can dig it! (laughs) Yeah, right! (laughs) He's rolling with these bullets down Warriors Lane. He's taking every one of these bullets all the way to Coney Island. Toot, toot! (laughs) Y'all strapped now. (laughs) All right. The sniper has spoken. The only thing to do is to hand it back to you, Jared. All right. That must mean it's time for round five. 
Round five is the best action scene, and Jason usually breaks these down for us. And Jason, would you please break down your action scenes for Tiger Claws 2? You could probably make up some scenes, and I believe you that they were in the movie. <laughs> so um, what did you capture on that? Got it right here, Jared. The rustle of paper. All right. So I started off with the montage with Bolo Young. I called it Breaking Out Bolo. Then there's the weapons dealing raid there at the beginning. I called that two pistols? Question mark. <laughs> How many cops? The cops to pistols ratio. Because, yeah, literally the cops to pistols ratio was high. high. Yeah. <laughs> Scene three was breaking out Bolo Young from uh, his jail cell there. I called that Bolo for Bolo. <laughs> yeah, I knew Ron would appreciate it. <laughs> it took me a second. Ron got it immediately. It took me a second. That's a joke for one right there. <laughs> <laughs> it landed. It totally landed. Gunfight in the chop shot. I call that one body work. Then we have the showdown when the bad guys were trying to shake down that chef, the Asian chef. It wasn't really a big action scene, but I thought my name was funny, so I included it. I called it, that's low, man. Slow man. Oh my goodness. Uh, I thought wasted yeah, internet was... bandwidth on that one. <laughs> that landed. That landed. That's that's good. And then there's the ceremonial combat where they were fighting each other in the ring. I called it March Old Arts Madness, the final four. <laughs> and then the last one, number seven, the boss fights. I'm gonna attribute this one to our very own Dark Web. I called it Sometimes you just have to shove an mf off a cliff. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay, so of those offerings, which one was your favorite? We'll start with Jason on this one. What, which one was your favorite? I kind of like the gunfight in the chop shop. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, for a martial arts movie, it was a heck of a good gunfight. <laughs> it was. <laughs> the martial arts were meh, okay, but... The gunfight in the chop shop was pretty good. So I'm going to land with gunfight in the chop shop or body work. Fair enough. Ron, what was your favorite action scene from Tiger Claws 2? I like the last one only because when Bolo Young was running, he was growling like a tiger. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Are you implying that you don't growl like a tiger when you run, Ron? No. No, I, I breathe real hard though, like a tiger. Does that count? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> You're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh. That's awesome. Uh, Jason, I'm going to end up picking. Sometimes you get a kick an MF off a cliff for the boss fights because I waited all movie long to watch Cynthia Rothrock fight. That's why. Yeah, that was a close one for me, too. That's why the whole reason I was there was to see her fight. And I wasn't disappointed. She did a good job, especially now that I know that was sort of the tail end of the physicality of her career. She did a pretty good job. So She did do a pretty good job in that fight. she's, She's the real deal. She is. Okay, so we have a variety of action scenes that we all picked for Tire Claws 2. Mm-hmm. Let's find out what the action scenes were for Warriors 1979, as written down by Jason. So, Jason, what do you got for Warriors? Kind of had to pare this down and make some calls here. So I ended up with five of them. Started off with the opening scene. Cyrus is shot, and then you've kind of got the initial chases. They're making their way out, and their leader gets taken by the police. and. There's some fisticuffs going on there. So I called that opening scene the first one. Shot Cyrus through the heart 
and warriors are to blame. You just gave warriors a bad name. Whoa. <laughs> there you go. Number two, I fast forwarded to their encounter with the orphans. Even though it wasn't much of a fight, they did blow up a car. So I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, hey, your car's hot, man. That's what, <laughs> that's what I called it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I struggled on that one. Not my best work. I like how their initial plan was like, hey, let's make a Molotov cocktail. And throw it. Like, that was plan A? That was literally plan A? That would have been like B or C? <laughs> hey, okay. Number three was the train chase, where the police are chasing them all through the train station and everything. I called that one Make Tracks. <laughs> because of the trains. Yeah, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was very Scooby-Doo-ish, you know? Like, they, they <laughs> run up this platform, down this one, and... And like I kept waiting for the bump into each other to go the opposite ways and all that stuff. <laughs> Number four, there's always one that's kind of on the edge. Jared has to make a call whether this goes in the show or not. Every episode. So this is probably the one. This is the one versus the Lizzies, right? Here we go. I called this one Rembrandt. We gonna get these chicks. You stay alert. You know why? <laughs> you know why? <laughs> Never. I always thought Rembrandt was like just very cautious, and now you've given me a whole. <laughs> Perspective on the character. Uh, let's see. Number five. This was versus the baseball furies. I called this one. Are we really surprised a bunch of guys in Yankees pinstripes can't hit anything? Oh, baseball Ooh, jokes. Baseball <laughs> slams. You're going to lose sections of our audience, I think. <laughs> I thought the real ending fight was the bathroom fight scene. And I called that one. They're full. <laughs> Because they were all, they all snuck in there and then they ambushed him out of the stalls. Uh, <laughs> I thought that one was brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. First word that popped in my head. <laughs> Come on, guys. Is Cousin Eddie? Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 I guess if you have to explain it. It's not like <laughs> Ron, what was, your, what was your favorite action scene from those? Uh, or if you have one other one, whatever. What was your favorite action scene? I'm kind of tied. I like the Furies and the Lizzies because they were both just mayhem. And I like the Furies because that was the first time they stopped running away from somebody and actually beat them up. And after that, you're like, why did you run away from everyone? You guys are so tough. You could have mm. beat up the orphans and everyone else. And then the Lizzies, just because that was absolute mayhem. That's just shooting and noise and girls and it's just everything that's awesome. Can I say my favorite scene there is when an old boy just cold cocks that girl with the chair over the head? Oh, <laughs> heck yes. <laughs> Drake and I were watching it together, and he was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, oh, her out. <laughs> so we're not getting any <laughs> Not after you had smashed the chair over her. That's game over. <laughs> oh, man. I'll edit myself on that one. <laughs> so, Jason, what's your favorite action scene? I like were full, man. The bathroom action scene. That was a heck of a fight. You had Mercy in there. She's biting people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rembrandt's got his paint sprayers out. He's like spraying people in the eyes. <laughs> Everybody's throwing down it. That was mayhem in that bathroom right there. Loved it. I tell you what, this might be like an action film face-off first, because I think we all pick different action scenes in round one. We're going to all pick different action scenes in round two. Well, kind of. Ron kind of picked two, but I, I'm firmly landing in the baseball furies. It was 
so cool to watch and take a stand. And they just, they really owned that fight. I mean, the, the baseball Furies did their best, but no, nah, the Warriors clobbered the crap out of them. Yep. Back to AAA for those guys. <laughs> Farm teams all day yeah. long. <laughs> okay, Jason, let's do our one to 10. Let's go back to Tiger Claws 2 on a scale of one to 10. Your favorite action scene was actually the shootout, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, and I thought it was good. Liked you to the tune of? I gave it a six. Match game number three for the episode. I gave my finally Cynthia fight scene a six, which was sometimes you got to kick an MF off the cliff. Right. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Warriors 1979. You like full. <laughs> I liked, uh, what did you call the baseball fight? Are we really surprised that a bunch of guys <laughs> All right. up in Yankees uniforms can't hit anything? <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. Anyway, what did you give your fight? I gave it an eight. Eight in the bathroom. I gave the Furies in their pinstripes that can't hit anything. <laughs> I gave it a seven. So we were close on that one as well ron you have one bullet left to give did you like the fight scenes the best action scenes in tiger claws 2 or the warriors can you dig it no yeah right (laughs) a full sweep (laughs) that might be an action film face off first might maybe this might be the first time the sniper went (laughs) one column the entire time. Never went full auto on this one. Like these randomly selected movies are like, Ron, here's one of your very favorite movies of all time. And here's a bonkers as hell martial arts movie. The movie went straight to video. <laughs> straight to video. Which one do you like? How are you going to play it, man? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that is the end of round five. Oh, there's something else that happens here. Oh, yes. The deduction round. What do we do? We die. It's time for the round for the ridiculous. We're going to take off points, possibly, for things that we did not like about either of these movies. Jared, Tiger Claws 2, are you taking any points off? I actually am going to deduct one point. I mentioned it earlier under the spectacle round. The overuse of the clearly lifted Terminator 2 theme. It got to the point where it's just distracting. Like I was like, turn the music off. You know, it makes sense with Bolo Young's going, but like they were playing it when they were drinking tea at the restaurant. Like, that's not like hyperbole, folks. There was a scene where they were drinking tea at the restaurant. You know, it's just like, stop it, man. It drove me bonkers. Minus one for the overuse of their stolen Terminator 2 theme. Any deductions for you, Jason? Well, I was going to take off one for the same thing. I think it's interesting because. Normally, you are more of an aficionado for the soundtrack of these things. And usually the music kind of washes over me, unless it's something really iconic. You know, the Terminator music, for example, or the Indiana Jones theme, James Bond theme, those type of things. But you really have an ear for it. I determined that I have an ear for it if it's really annoying me. And that's (laughs) what happens here. Like, I was like, "Eh, this is... I even texted you is like is this the terminator theme that they're playing here and so yeah i was taking one off for the music as well and then the other one too you know the weapons handling of our hero the guy whose name i forgot already i think the actor's name is jalal Jalal. yeah jalal's weapons handling skills were not need a little more practice and you know that takes me out out of the element when i see something like that in an action film and so Got to take a point off for that. Ooh, two points down for this one. Okay, fair enough. All right, so the Warriors, Jared, are you taking any points off of that? 
You didn't like the mime makeup. You didn't like the baseball fury makeup. <laughs> no points deducted. Everything, all my scores stand. Same with me. Nothing to uh, deduct from the Warriors as well. Okay. All your bullets are spent there, Ron, but we do open the floor during the deduction round. If there's anything that particularly bothered you from either film, you may air those grievances at this time. No, no. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious how I feel about the Warriors. And and Tiger Claw, like I said, wasn't awful. And I do give it credit because someone who loves the genre made it. It's pretty obvious. They tried their hardest. They really did. Their heart was in it. It just didn't quite work out. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, I would say that Tiger Claw's any one of the trilogy of Tiger Claw's films is a great movie to sort of pop in on a Saturday when you're hanging out with your friends and you, you almost kind of want a baddish movie, you know, like a B movie. You want to have a little fun and just kind of relive those days. That's that's kind of where it sits. But The Warriors is a timeless classic that you can put on anytime and enjoy. That's how I feel about it overall. We don't have an overall feelings round. I just threw that in for no reason whatsoever. And that brings us to the end of our official round. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. And for those of you who were playing Match Game at home, we had three Match Games on this episode. Just three. So you should probably be okay to drive. (laughs) Just make sure you just stay safe out there. Just three Match Games. And as an Action Film Face-Off first, I believe our sniper gave each and every one of his five points to the one film, which was The Warriors. But let's get those final scores in. The winner of this episode of action film face-off with a score of 79 to 54 is the warriors congratulations to the warriors you came out to play now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. Oh, and Jason, I've rewired the randomizer. What? Next episode, as we promised last episode, is going to be the retro rewind episode. And I have rewired the randomizer. Instead of it being set from 1970 to current day, it is now set from 1950 to 1969. So we are going to be doing some retro rewind films on the next episode. Back to you, Jason. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen fifty-one, And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen fifty-six. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. For folks like Dave out there. Or you can tune in next episode. Watch it cold turkey and find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht. And you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter. Or Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist. A.K.A. Death Probe. At Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist, or you can check out my website, theyardsaleartist.com. Ron, where can people find you? Just call you. You want to give your phone number out? or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You got a pen? Uh, <laughs> if I've done my job correctly, you can't. Uh, no social media, no possible way to trace me at all. 
Yeah, just call Jason. If you have yeah. a question, he'll email it to me. There you go. Sounds like a plan. There you go. Sounds like a good plan. You can reach Ron at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram. We'll also contact at longboxcrusade.com. If you want to send an email, we'll forward it to Ron. <laughs> all right. Be sure to check out all the shows under that Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on your iTunes, your Google Play, all your finer podcatchers. Check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. Hey, if you want to chat with us about these films and how you feel about it, one of the best ways is to go over to Twitter and check out at AFFO Podcast. Or you can just chat at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll get the messages. If you're interested in doing some live chat while we do some recordings on our live streams, check out Longbox Crusade over on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Baseball scores came in. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right, too. Dodgers game about to start. <laughs> anyway. See, this is how I end up in the in the penalty box. How he ends up in the outtakes. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry. Uh, Jason. I was waiting. <laughs> J- Jason's rounds are in green, mine are in blue. You think I learned it after 36 episodes. Especially since you color-coded. Right here on the color-coded damn show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And they had to bring him along, you know, because yeah. he's clearly not a gang member at all. He just got drug into this or something. Yeah. Well, you, artistic and, skills. you and Jason can discuss this after I go to bed. I'm going to wrap the show. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> She's going to blow him away. Dun, 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 dun.